Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Tribe, I am extremely excited to introduce my guest today, Enrique Rubio, founder of Hacking HR. And for anyone in our industry, Hacking HR is most likely on your radar, in your feed, or you're already involved. And Hacking HR is a global learning community at the intersection of the future of work, technology, business and organizations with thousands of members and chapters all over the world. It's incredible to see his growth here. It's really awesome. And Enrique has assembled the best and brightest, I didn't steal that from my tagline, in HR and people, and has created a platform for them to shine and share their collective knowledge and experience. I've been to a couple events. They're awesome. We'll certainly talk about that. But who is Enrique? Who is he? Who is this guy? Who is this guy behind Hacking <laughs> HR? I'll tell you who he is. He's a seasoned HR tech and future of work expert with over 20 years of experience. He's a keynote speaker, and he came to the U.S. from Venezuela as a Fulbright Scholar. This dude is sharp. And prior to coming to the U.S., he was a CEO and management consultant, a firm specializing in human resources in Venezuela. And Enrique is a guest author, several blogs about innovation, people management, human resources, and I absolutely love what he has created with Hacking HR Community. And I attended my first event this past November and finally saw what it's all about, and I am all in. I love this stuff. <laughs> have him on the show today. Enrique Rubio, welcome to the podcast, my man. Thank you, my man. How are you? I am doing great. And we're talking to Enrique today in, in, in not so sunny, sunny Miami. I can't tell what's happening in Miami today. You know, you know what? It's, it's not even sunny. I mean, it's pretty humid. It's <laughs> hot and it's cloudy. And so, so what people are coming down here to get, you know, they're coming to get some sun. And I don't think they're getting much of it, at least not today. Um, well, thank you so much, man, for having me in, in your show awesome. and in your post, postcast. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's great to have a conversation about, you know, the work that we've been doing with Hacking awesome. HR all around the world. And, uh, you know, happy to, happy to you know, comment on, on yeah, well, uh, we'll, our vision we'll, and, and where we're going. We'll certainly talk about that. I, I'm really curious to hear the vision behind it. But before we do that, I think it's really important to understand who you are and your background. So let's talk about, I mean, listen, you, you grew born and raised in Venezuela. I mean, a country going through a ton of mm -hmm. political civil unrest right now. Um, let's yeah. talk about your, your, your upbringing, your background, and take us from where you started to where we are today, man, where you're in the U.S. and you're just kicking ass and creating some awesome stuff. Absolutely. Well, you know, let me say, let me begin by saying perhaps that the first thing that, that has been a common thread in my, in my life is about serving people, serving others. And it's, you know, it's funny to say that. I mean, some other people may say the same thing, but you know, whenever I think about my career and the things that I've done in my life, I always think like, wow, I was always doing something for other people, right? Like I, I, I even ran for mayor, you know, I was in politics in Venezuela. I loved it because oh, wow. I, I, I thought, you know, I want to serve others. I want to work for others. And I think that one of the most powerful ways to do that is in politics. I got involved in politics. I didn't really like it. And then, you know, I got out of there. But, 
it, it was all the, the trajectory of, of, you know, serving others. Then I created an, an NGO in Venezuela, which was, uh, it was called the School of Social Entrepreneurs. And mm -hmm. we were, you know, we were training social entrepreneurs in project management, leadership, and, you know, some other uh, tools for them to be effective in their work. And then I created a consulting firm in HR, and then I moved to the U.S. And, you know, it's, and now I'm doing hacking. So, so the, what I have done in my life, in my career, has always been to to add value to others, to serve others, and at the same time, it, you know, for me to be able to grow and become a better human. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a very imperfect person. You know, I make mistakes. I, you know, I got divorced last year. You know, so that means you know my, the way I see life is not perfect, and the way I behave is, no is, is very, is very imperfect. But, but what happens is that from every experience that I've gone through in my life, I, I take something out to do better the next time. And that's why growth. I think, that's why, yes, it's, it's growth. And that's why I think with Hacking HR, we've been, you know, it's been pretty cool because, you know, I'm bringing all these, you know, successes and failures and, you know, I put them together into something that, that, that works, you know, for, 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 for the community and for the people that we are, um, that we're trying to serve. That's awesome. So yeah, pretty let's, cool. Pretty cool. Let's, let's pause for a minute. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear about your upbringing in Venezuela. I mean, I've been following along <laughs> for a long time now. You still have a, a lot of family down there? Yes, my parents live down there. Uh, my brothers fled the country, um, you know, the first one five years ago and the, and the other ones last year. But my parents and, of course, my extended family, they're all down in Venezuela. And, yes, it's a, you know, we were talking about before in the, in the you know, offline that you said that the, you know, the stars are aligning, bringing good people together. Right. And I think a little bit of my rationale to explain that and, you know, disconnected mm -hmm. to the question about Venezuela is that there are, there are some people, not, not a lot of them, but there are some people that are very evil in the world and they're trying to do evil. They're trying to set us, they're trying to bring us apart. They're trying to, you know, to harm humanity, to harm, you know, people. And I feel that the universe is trying to, you know, counteract that by bringing more people faster together. You know, exactly. good people. Amen. And that's why, you know, you know, you were talking about some people before, uh, you know, some names and, and I feel that the universe is bringing great people together and asking them, hey guys, you know, you got to do good in the world. You know, you got to do, you got to do great things because you got to not only, you know, spread the, the good word out there that humans are good, but you have to counteract, you know, the evil that some people are trying to do in the world. That's incredible. So what brought yeah. you, uh, how long have you been in the States for? This year, nine years now. That's incredible. And yeah. what was that journey like? Was it? I mean, going back, you know, politically, uh, you know, nine years ago, was it? Was it easy to come to the U.S.? Was it a challenge? What was that like? It was easier before uh, than today. Uh, yes, I. You know, it's it's being it's it's getting increasingly complicated to, to leave the country because people have less money because other countries are, you know, kind of crowded with Venezuelans, and you know, you know, in the U.S. they are getting a little bit more kind of uh, rigid with, you know, some of the policies, you know, my, my old brother came here seeking political asylum because he was a police officer in Venezuela, you know, having a hard time, you know, with the government. And, you know, even it took him a, a long time, you know, to, to, to do that. Uh, but, you know, I, I applied for a Fulbright scholarship when I was in Venezuela. Fortunately, I, I got it. I came here in 2011 to complete my master's degree in, in Syracuse University at the Maxwell School. Nice. And here I am, you know, nine years later, it. you know, it's, uh, it's been quite a journey. That's, that's incredible too. So let's talk a little bit about your, you know, your HR background. 
what you know, were, you, were you operating in an HR capacity in Venezuela, or was that really when you came here when you really started to engage in people management? I'm gonna tell you how, how it all started. Uh, Please, uh, that's, it, what the, that's what we're here for, man. We're here to tell your story. It all started from this place. I am an engineer, I am an electronic engineer, so I was working as a, in telecommunications in a company, and I was fired from that company. And I was fired because I was doing something on the side, which was the School mm -hmm. of Social Entrepreneurs, that they didn't like. Of course, the company that I was working for did not have anything to do with the School of Social Entrepreneurs and vice versa. You know, they, they were not in the same yeah. industry. There was no conflict. But the, the president of the company got so upset at me and he fired me. And when I went to HR to ask them and, you know, what was going on, they didn't do anything about it. I don't, I don't know if we can say bad words here, but you know. You can say whatever uh, you want. It's an, it's yeah. a, you can say whatever you want. It's a, they, they didn't do shit a about it. It's not a child-friendly podcast, no. All right. Well, they didn't do shit about it. You know, they left me alone and I was fired. Like if I was a, a thief that had. Just thrown that, on the street. Just yeah, thrown yes, out there. Thrown out there. And I was like, how is this even possible, right? Like, you know, I was, I, you know, I was doing a great job. And, and look what happened, you know, and I blame, I partially blamed HR for what was going on. And I said, you know what, I want to get into the HR space because I want to do better than this. I want to create, you know, better HR. So by the way, I apologize if there's any background noise with your, your listeners. This just, podcast is not sponsored by Starbucks. It's not a sponsored by Starbucks. It could be. Though. It could be. Uh, I would love it. If Starbucks wants to sponsor this podcast, please. I've been, I've been sitting in this Starbucks for five hours working, you know, great internet, you know, everything is awesome. Uh, bathrooms, anyway, bathrooms are fine. Yeah. Bathrooms are fine. You know, people are cool. A little noisy sometimes, yeah. but you know, it's okay. But anyway, but you, you had know, this I was, experience. I, I, you, I was you fired. Had a negative experience. Yeah. They fired yeah. you. They yeah. didn't treat you the right way. And no. you said, yeah. you know what? I could do better. We could do better than this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that's why I created my own firm. I created my own consulting firm in Venezuela. Then I got the scholarship. I came from the U.S. and I started working in HR here. And... You know, I learned a lot from, from HR in the corporate world in, in America, but I also realized that the same thing, yeah, it's very different, but the same thing that happened to me in Venezuela happens to a lot of people here too. You know, that sometimes HR is, doesn't seem to be like, you know, facing the employee and being there empathetically, you know, to, to, exactly. to hear to their pains and, and whatnot. So I said, you know what, <laughs> I got to do something about this now too. And that's, that's why I created Hacking HR. And I never, I never thought that Hacking HR was going to be anything other than just a simple event in Washington, D.C., where I was living before. And look, you know, it became a global community with people from all over the world, you know, thousands of uh, uh, members participating in our events. And yeah, it's, it's pretty so cool. Let's, yeah. let, let's go back to that moment when you, when you first had the kernel of an idea to launch Hacking HR. When you first set out on it, what was that mission statement that you created? What was that? This is what this is going to be all about. It was two things. The first one was this. The first one is I am freaking bored, not to use the other F word. I am freaking bored of doing just, you know, the same thing day in and day out in my job. And when I look around in HR and when I look around in many organizations, that's what, that's what people do all the time. They are day in and day out. They are doing the same thing. So what happens is a very often people do not have a creative outlet for their creativity, for their imagination, uh, you know, to, to explore some other things that they want to do. And I said to myself, you know what? I want to invent something. I want to create something because they have all this creativity, like, you know, water, uh, you know, pushed back by a dam. I have all this creativity that I want to explore, that I want to put out there. And 
what else, you know, what can I do that it's valuable, but also a creative outlet for what I want to do. And that was hacking HR. So it was, it was a combination of two things. Number one, it is, I want to talk about technology, which I'm passionate about. I want to talk about HR, which I'm passionate about. And I want to talk about communities, which I'm passionate about too. And I want to put together something that at the same time becomes a creative outlet for me. And that, that's why Hacking HR became that's what it is today because it was, so, it was a passion project. It was, it was, came from it the heart. Was, it was fueled by passion. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, that's, yeah. and I think that's really what's accelerated the growth. So first event was, uh, what, September two years ago? Correct. September okay. 2017. Yes. The very what was, first that, what was that first event in DC? Tell me a little bit about that first event. Who'd you put together? Who was on the panel? How did you spread the word? Oh man, we had a great panel. We had, we had the, um, we have the former chief learning officer from NASA. We have the chief learning officer from IBM, uh, you know, both two good friends. We have, we had somebody, an expert from data analytics. We have an expert, uh, you know, in artificial intelligence. And then we have a couple of people from HR and we had a great conversation. We had 70 people in there and it was fantastic. It was a fantastic combo. And then I saw that and I said, you know what? People like this. Let me do it again. And I did it again in you New York. It. You know, I did it in November 2017 in New York. We had 250 people wow. in the event. Fantastic. It was all for free. It was great. And then I said, it seems that people are, you know, hungry for this. So let's continue doing it. And that's what happens. You know, but here how, we are. How'd you build that network? How'd you spread the word? I just put myself out there, man. I just put myself out there. That's, uh, that's what happens. You know, um, one thing that I, you know, out, out of my story and out of all the things that we're going to be talking about today, right. if, you know, if, I want to, I want to say some key takeaways, you know, some, some nuggets of, of, of power for, for people. Right. And one power nugget would be, Put yourself out there. I mean, no, Amen, no, no, brother. Nobody, nobody makes anything significant happen if they don't put themselves out there. And that means that sometimes you have to break the barriers of, you know, being afraid of what's going to happen if it doesn't succeed. Being afraid of what's going to happen when they hear that you have an accent like I do. You know, I don't care about that anymore, but I have an accent. You know, this is not my first language. And, you know, I, I was thinking like, you know, what people are going to say when I put this out there. And I decided that the passion to make it happen was much power, much more powerful than the fear to not, to avoid making it happen. And, and that's wow. why, that's why I, you know, I, I have been sort of successful with the hacking community because I always put myself out there. You know, I reach out to CEOs of a large Sometimes they say no, sometimes they don't respond, and sometimes they say yes. But I would not get any of those responses if I never reach out to them. You right? got to try it. You got to try it. You got to do it, man. And, and, you know, what I say to your listeners is, you know, if you're thinking about doing something and something is holding you back, just break those chains and, and put yourself out there. Make it happen, you know. And you will get some yes for an answer. You will get, you will get some no's for an answer. Some other people will ignore you. Some other people will laugh at the things that you're doing. But if you don't put yourself out there, you will never kind of assess whether what you think makes sense or not. Right. Put yourself out there. That's yeah, my exactly. first power nugget here. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, that's what I did with this podcast, right? Like, I, I was like, people are going to laugh at it. People are going to say, what is this thing? And it's built a momentum, you know, like similar to, you know, hacking HR in it. And people are, are like, listen, I, I, I'm enjoying it. And, and we appreciate mm -hmm. what you're doing. And then I have some friends that are like, Hey man, like, why did you do it? How did you do it? Like, what was that, mm -hmm. that first spark? And it starts with just trying um, one thing. So let's talk a little bit more about the power of your network, which I think is incredible. Um, what have you been doing throughout your career to really procure 
this incredible group of really influential people. And how do you keep up with those relationships? I think it's all about, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said before. It's all about putting yourself out there because a lot of those people, I don't know them in person and I have never met them. And very, you know, most likely I will never meet a lot of them in person ever, you know, uh, because, you know, there are too many, right? But it's just reaching out to them and say, you know, uh, you know, a, you know, whoever, you know, the, the head of HR for some big company or the head of future of work for a large organization and saying like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing and, you know, we're bringing value in this and that way to HR and to the workplace and to organizations. Do you want to join us in one event? And they say yes, or they say no, or they say maybe. And it's all about reaching out to them uh, fearlessly and just kind of building that relationship by, by adding value to them, but also offering them as a, a place for them to be able to share the value Absolutely. that they can bring to a network. So I think that what I have, what I have been doing is, you know, what, when I think about my role here, not, not as a founder of Hacking HR, but the real thing that I do is I am, I am a builder and what I build is bridges. That's what I build. You know, if you ask me, what is it that you do, Enrique, every day? I build bridges. And those bridges are bridges that connect one person with another person. Whether it is massively on LinkedIn or newsletters, or whether it is individually connecting you with a potential speaker that you want to talk to because you want to invite them to the podcast. So I am a bridge builder. And whenever somebody who wants to, you know, if you are in an island and you want to go to the mainland or if you're in mainland and you want to go to an island and you don't know how to get there and somebody comes to you and says like, I'm building a bridge for you to get there. Uh, you know, that becomes something powerful and you are like, wow, I always, I always wanted to be in, in mainland. I always wanted to be in that island. Thank you for building the bridge. Now I'm going to cross it. Thank you for building it for me. And, and that's what I'm doing here. So those relationships are built every day by providing that bridge to all of those people that have so many great ideas and they want to put it, put it out there. I, I love it. You're a connector, man. I mean, I think that's why we're connected because I think fellow connectors are drawn to each other like magnets. That's, yeah. that's our superpower, man. We're, we're connected. So let's switch gears a little bit. Everybody and their mother is throwing around the buzzword, the future of work. It's yeah. a, a me too, by the way. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a catch-all, but let's, let's unpack that. What, what does that mean to you? When someone says, Enrique, talk a little bit about the future of work. How do you unpack that? How do you explain that to people? Well, the first thing that, that I say is that the future of work is not, it's not happening in the future. It's happening right now. It's in the future making right now. Yeah. And, you know, when it, you know if, if, you, if we had talked about the future of work in 1970, we probably would have been talking about the effect of computer, right? The impact of computer, computers and electronics. If we had talked about the future, the future of work in 1875, we would have been talking about, you know, a steam engine, uh, massive production in assembly lines, like, you know, cars, like, you know, Henry Ford and all those things. And if we had talked about the future of work in 17, uh, 1750, 1760, we, we would have been talking about, uh, you know, agricultural, uh, the first industrial revolution, right? And um, so what happens now is that we're talking about a new era of accelerations where there are several things that are transforming the way we work, technology being one of them, demographic shifts, globalization, climate change, and all of those things are creating a new reality where work, the way we work, the nature of the work we do, and the way we do it is very different from anything that we have been used to. And again, we're talking about the future of work, 
with the baseline of today. But if we had talked about the future of work with the baseline in, in 1970, right, with context. the baseline, it's context, you know? It's, so contextually, what the future of work means today for us is the impact of artificial intelligence, the impact of nanotechnology, 3D printing, blockchain, data and prescriptive and uh, uh, analytics. So all of those elements are creating and, and defining a new, a new reality of work for which we are not fully ready because we are still dragging the mindset and the structures and the, the policies and the frameworks of the 20th century. And that doesn't right, work right. anymore. Yeah, let me, yeah. give, you one, let, let me give you one quote. Please, absolutely. Um, Stephen Covey said in his book, one of the things that I loved about the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the quotes that really has, has stuck in my mind for all this time is, he said that you cannot lead organizations of the 21st century with systems, processes, and a mindset of the 20th century. And that is what is happening today to us in the workplace, to organizations, that we talk about the future of work, but the fact that we talk so much about it is because we're not ready for all the accelerations that are transforming what's happening. I don't, I don't think we're ready because I think we need to focus back on, on I mean, on, on humans first, like this human yeah. first approach. I think that there is this tremendous movement of infusing human humans first candor empathy and care back into hr talent and recruiting i think we need to get that nailed first before we you know really put all of our eggs in the in the uh, tech basket right we're talking about ai automation personalization and everything so let's talk a little bit about like that that employee experience right yeah yeah yeah, let me, yeah you want to go back you want to finish something oh no i i actually wanted to say something about recruitment Please. i i yesterday somebody posted i, I don't remember who who, who it was but uh, I don't think it was you actually, but I think somebody posted on LinkedIn. He said, you know, I, a, recruit, a recruiter contacted me. We had a chat and I, I thought I had an opportunity with a company and the recruiter never showed up again. I reached out to him. I sent him emails. I called him and he never, ever called back. That, my friend, does not have anything to do with technology, blockchain, artificial intelligence. That has to do with fucking human respect. Being that is normal. Amen. Being a good human, man, that person that you are interviewing is putting high hopes in that job that you are offering them. And if you don't call them back, you're, you're basically breaking their heart, right? That, it doesn't matter how advanced our technology is if we cannot go back to being a decent human being and saying, you know what, Adam, you have a great profile, man, but, you know, the company is looking for another kind of, you know, profile. It's, you know what it's, I mean? It, it, it's not hard. And I urge, every, like... Here's what I say about that, man. And, I, and I've said this a thousand times. It's those bad recruiters that give us good recruiters a bad name. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's simple things, closing the loop. Listen, people understand that like they may interview and they may not be right for that job, right? There may be a better candidate out there, but close the freaking loop with them. It's not that hard. Yeah. How yeah. long you does know, it take to write an email? In the time that I just said that, yeah. I could have just wrote an email to somebody and say, hey, man, listen, thanks for your time. Unfortunately, we're going in another direction. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and of course, you know, the role of technology today helps you go through some of the, you know, what happens with technology today is that it allows us to optimize processes and hopefully free up some time to do what should be human, right? So let's say this. Let's say that you are applying for a position and you get 1,000 people applying for that one position. Of course, we know that 90% of the people applying for that position may not be the right people for them, for, that, for the position. So, so technology allows you to discard, you know, already 900 of those 1,000. So you're focusing on one. 
100. And then maybe you go deeper into another stage, right? So you, re you reach out to them. And out of the 100, you, you get down to maybe 10 or 15. So because technology helped you to already filter out 900 of them, why wouldn't you humanely focus on the 15 that are good for what, whatever you're looking for? And what that means is that you have a conversation with them on the phone, you know, you reach out to them, you send them emails, you send them a, a WhatsApp or whatever it is, because now technology is freeing up time from you to not have to be bogged down by the details of the people that you know that are not the good candidates for the position. And now you can focus on really building the relationship right. with the ones that are, that are the kind of people that you're, that you're looking for. So it's, it's using that yeah. technology to, to be more efficient and to scale yourself, right? Yeah. Like AI yeah. and tech is never going to replace humans. And the yeah. ultimate reason is because the human X factor, right? And that's why I think HR and talent is such a tough job and it's underrated. Like, we are dealing with humans. We are dealing with people's emotions. Yep. We're dealing with stuff that's happening to them outside of the workplace. You know, how have you found, you know, this is interesting too. Like how have you found some ways to really kind of focus in um, on ensuring that whoever you're working with in companies are really taking the time to spend with candidates and employees and really understand them on that human level? You know, I don't think that's happening too much right now. And I know. Um, no, I don't think that's happening. That, that's, and I think, it's funny because what, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to use, a, you know, a, a different example, right? Like you are trying to, to, to do something and the evidence, the signs are out there that you need to do it and yet you don't do it. So let me explain what that means in the recruiting, in the recruiting world. What that means is that we, have, we are in a very tight uh, job marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. We're finding, finding talent is becoming increasingly complicated. It's a candidate market right now. It's a candidate-driven market. Finding, finding, find, finding talent is increasingly complicated. People want a set of things that we are not used to offering them when they wanna work, when they, we work for us. What, we have all these job openings. We have a, a rate of a skill that is becoming obsolete faster than ever before. So you have a lot of signs that are telling you that if you find the one, the five people, you know, you find a group of five people that are great, if you miss the opportunity to build a relationship with them, you are missing on an incredible opportunity because to get to those five, it takes so much energy today. So if you are in recruiting and you get down to five people and you can only hire one of them, but the other four are freaking amazing, make sure that you have that relationship built with them for the long term. It's called pipelining, because, yep because they are the ones that may be coming back to you somehow in some other place, right? Absolutely. If you, if you treat them like shit, right, they won't want to work with you anymore. And then you will have even a harder time than it already is to find that talent. And this, this, the other part of that too is your reputation as a recruiter and HR professional, right? That's your brand. Like, ha like listen, recruiters talk, candidates talk, everyone talks. And even in like a big market like New York, it's really small once you get into a lot of those yep. niche we know the same candidates. And I'm going to talk on the flip side of that. Well, uh, well, the flip side of that, I'm sorry, is how candidates engage in the talent acquisition process, right? Because ghosting happens on the candidate side too, man. I mean, I've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. I've had people that accepted job offers that don't show up on day one. I know. Yeah, ghosting. Yeah. don't show up for interviews, yeah. right? I have candidates that don't respond to emails. So it works on both sides. And it's about mutual respect to keep yeah. the process moving. So I yeah. want to double back and I want to, I want to go back to hacking HR, right? I mean, you scaled this globally. How many chapters do you have right now globally? We have about 80 chapters. Of wow. course, not all of them are uh, equally active. Some are right. 
way more active than I ever expected them to be. And some are a little um, slower to, you know, to bring stuff up to and, the reality because, well, you know, their cities are different and right. the people involved may be involved in, you know, in many other activities, but, you know, it's, we have about 80 now. Right. And how does a chapter come into existence? Tell us, tell us how a chapter is born. How is it nurtured? How is it, how is it fed and how does it grow into something special? Right. Uh, well, the first thing to say is that the chapters are, are, are open communities. And that's the most important thing of Hacking HR. We, nobody owns a chapter. Nobody has a license for a chapter. Nobody has the franchise of a chapter. We don't sell it. We build a community. And whenever we're going to create a new chapter, and creating a new chapter comes in two different ways. Number one, maybe one person says like, can we create a chapter here? And I say, yeah, we don't have a chapter there. Let's do it. Or I say, you know what? I want to create a chapter in that city because that city is growing and I want Hacking HR to be there. So once that happens, you know, whatever way it's coming from, we, we open it up and we have a, we, we, publicly announced that we're going to do the chapter and we have a kickoff call and the kickoff call is basically me explaining all the things that are related to hacking HR and what we've done, how we are operating. And then, you know, if, we, if you have 20 people in the call, maybe seven of them say like, I want to be part of this. Maybe the other, the other ones are like, well, I'm too busy or I'm not interested or, you know, it sounds great, but I can't commit right now. But a core group of people say like, I want to be part of this. And they are the ones that are, that start moving the chapter forward. I love it. So what's on the horizon in 2020? What new chapters are being launched? Give me, give me, give us a little taste of what's happening this year. Oh, well, you know, my, my goal for the end of this year is to have a total of 200 chapters all over the world. Wow. That's a very hard goal. Put it out um, there, man. Put it out in the universe. I, Put that energy out there, dude. I'm, I'm putting the energy out there, man. And, and, um, you know, it's, 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 it's hard, but I, I think it's going to be um, possible. And, you know, we are, we are creating just this month, we are launching, you know, seven or eight new chapters. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, if we can create, you know, 10, 15 chapters per month, we're going to be at a great place, you know, to complete, uh, to complete the chapters that we need to. And, you know, by the way, to me, it's not just about the number. It's not because it's not that I'm like, it's a reach, man. Yeah. It's not, I I don't, I want to have 200 people, 200 chapters. I'm sorry, because I want to have 200 chapters. It's because I really want to step up. The, the power of the community that we're building and reaching out to as many people as possible and connecting them, bringing the good people together. I, I love it, man. I mean, what you're doing is awesome. I'm, I'm happy to be involved in that. So let's take another like little gear switch here. And I want to talk about the entrepreneur life, man. You're on the road. I mean, every time I touch base with you, you're in Tampa, New York, wherever, wherever you are. What's this entrepreneur life, man? I mean, is it in your blood? Is it something that you absolutely love doing? Or, you know, you're looking yeah. to kind of settle down and plant some roots again? Oh, you know, it's in my blood, man. You know, I, I can't, um, you know, settling for me is, is, has, has a different meaning, right? Like settling. And, and again, you know, I was, I was married, so I was settled and, and, um, you know, unfortunately, well, you know, uh, it didn't work out even though my, my ex-wife is a fantastic woman, uh, but it didn't work out. Right. And, and I lived in Washington DC for seven years, but I was really, you know, I was really unhappy. And I was unhappy because I wanted to move around. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a nomad um, and I like moving around. I like seeing different things. I like meeting different people. And what I'm doing right now is like, you know, you cannot see it. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'm going to show it to you. And I don't know if you're going to be able to the show it. The guy with those shorts right there? The guy with the shorts and the no, is that my your, car. Is that, is, what, do you, what do you got? What's on top of there? Is that a bike? I see a bike or that's is that a car. barbecue? Well, no, <laughs> that's my car. And that's my, I have a, my car. I, I basically drive around in my car. I love it. And, and what happens when I'm driving around in my car is that I have 
Um, I have, a, you know, a storage space for, you know, I have a bed that I built in my car where I sleep when I'm driving around. I have my bike. I have a storage space for my, you know, I have a, I have a stove and I have a, a, my clothing and I have everything. My car, you know, like you're if you think about you're a nomad, I love it. I'm a nomad. Yeah, I'm a nomad in my car, you know, my Subaru. So, by the way, Subaru is not uh, promoting this, this podcast yet. Maybe Subaru, uh, we are open to it. My, my, my best friend in the world drives uh, multiple, he's had multiple Subarus. Yeah, he's Subaru uh, is, Subaru Subaru is an awesome car. I love it. Great family car. Uh, yeah. Subaru, if you're yeah. looking for sponsorship. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I have a Subaru Forester and, and what happens is that I, I travel in this car, man, and, and I'm a nomad, you know, and it's a hard life to have. It's a hard life to have because you know, like just now, you know, I wanted to be in a quiet place to have this conversation with you. And I'm in a noisy, in a noisy Starbucks, but it is what it is, right? Yeah, you do, you do what you got to do, man. So I, yeah. I, I want to I talk about like your mindset and I want to really understand like, you've done a lot, you've been all over the place, you, you are connected with some amazing HR leaders. I mean, once this show airs, well, I mean, we'll connect, we'll, we'll name drop and all that good stuff there. But you know, you probably hear a lot of things out there, you probably get a lot of advice, but what is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on daily, Enrique? You know, um, there was one guy, uh, a boss that I had many, many years ago, uh, and he told me, you know, this was back, back in the time when I was working in a very small company and I was leaving that company to work in a very large company. And he said to me, you know, you're gonna have to make a decision whether you wanna be one more cog in a big operational organization or you want to be a big thing in a small one and and the reason why that is stuck with me is because i i have worked for very large organizations but i feel that i'm in my element when i am a small team where i can move pretty quickly because i move pretty quickly and then it comes the second advice that i've gotten that is great and that advice was one another boss told me you know enrique the world does not move at your pace and you're gonna have to be okay with that you know, you're going to have to be okay with the fact that even though you move fast, the world, you know, a baby, a baby is not born in one month, right? A baby is born in nine months and a baby elephant is born in two years. And, you know, it's, it's things take time to, 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 to happen. And you're going to have to be okay with that. And yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not always okay with that. I'm not always okay with the fact that things take time because I want to move things faster. And that is the struggle that I have in my mind. Like, how can I combine the fact that these things will take time to happen with the, with the, the energy that I have to make, it ha- to make them happen faster? And that's this constant struggle that I have in my mind. And that's a constant struggle that all entrepreneurs have. You know, the, the market moves at a certain pace and our mind is moving at a different pace. And we got to find the sweet spot where we feel comfortable with the way at which at the pace at which we're moving and at which the market is moving. So it's, it takes time. Yeah. To, yeah, to come, to come to terms with that advice. That's that, that's good. And you know, today, what would you say is your greatest professional accomplishment? Hacking HR. I think it's something we're pretty proud of, man. What you yeah, done is hack, hacking HR. Yes. I, you know, I've done several things in my professional career. I think I'm not hacking HR because of hacking HR, like an isolated, you know, standalone thing. Is the fact you know like there's this? Um, I want to tell you a couple of stories. There is yes, one woman who participates in our network in one city, and she was she she had her own consulting company, and she started participating in hacking HR. She was invited to speak at a conference. Somebody saw her in that conference and and asked her to work for them, and she started working with them. 
And she came back to me and said, Enrique, this is the job of my dreams because I can work from home and take care of my baby. And I'm doing diversity and inclusion, which is what I'm passionate about. And I'm working for a great organization. And this is all thank you, thanks to Hacking HR. So that's one story. And the second story is this woman in Iran. She in Iran, and you know, we have all these problems you know, between America and Iran right now, but this in Iran, the opportunities for grow, uh, uh, learning, and getting access to all these global things that are happening that are very inspirational are very limited. And she participates in all the things that we do on LinkedIn Live because LinkedIn Live is the only thing that is kind of available on the internet in there. Right. They, don't have, they don't have YouTube, they don't have Facebook, they don't have anything else, they have LinkedIn. And she tells me all the time, thank you so much because I am learning and I am professionally growing because of the things that you do on LinkedIn Live. So of all the things that I've done with Hacking HR, if it's only because of this, these two stories, if only because these two women, everything makes sense. So I that's why I am so proud of what we've done with Hacking HR because of it's those so good. two people, those two that's, people, yeah. That's incredible, man, kudos on that. And what would you say is your superpower? What do you do better than anyone in this universe that makes you who you are, man? <laughs> I think I'm very selfless to the point where Sometimes I stop even thinking about myself, you know, and, and my own well-being. Like, you know, there are people who advise me, like, you have to start charging for events. You have to start charging for the membership of Hacking HR because, you know, you need to, you need to, I don't, I'm not making any money right now. I don't have a job right now. You know, like I, I'm, I'm living on my, on my, on my savings. And they tell me that because they are concerned about me. They, they, not because they are, they don't come from a place of, you know, being like, you know, rich or making money, but from a place like, what are you going to do in 10 months when you run out of money? And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to charge for it. You know, I'm going to charge for some things, but I don't want to charge for memberships and I don't want to charge for the online events. And that selflessness, sometimes, you know, it's very good for everybody else, not necessarily good for me, but I think I'm not the best in this, you know, because there are very selfless people out there. It will come but back think, to you, man. But, but I think, you know, being selfless, I, I, and I believe in that, you know, being selfless is, is definitely, you know, uh, one thing that defines me, who, who I am. I think, I, you know, I bring this from my mom and my dad. They are like, the most selfless people in the world. And, and I do believe that, no, I, I don't do it because it's going to come back, but I do believe it's going to come back somehow. Uh, that's not why I do it, though. But, but I know that somehow it, it, will, it will come back to me in, you know, I don't think I'm gonna starve, right? I, you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna starve, right? You'll, I think you'll, you'll do just fine, man. Yeah, yeah I got fifty yeah. minutes. And and last but not least, you know, and I ask this question to everybody that comes to my show because I, I I love the perspective of so many different thoughts on this. But listen, every day is not sunshine and roses, man. Listen, like you're on the road, you're doing your thing. It's a struggle, and yeah. every day is tough. But you're focused, right? You're yeah. determined, and you look up to something. What guides you every day, Enrique Rubio? What is your north star? You know, it's, um, this, is, this is what's funny, and, 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 and I want to step back a, a little bit in, in your question. Sure, absolutely. The road, the road to accomplish things is, is covered with rocks, blood, sweat, thorns, you know, thunderstorms, you know, every, all kind of shit that is trying to avoid you to get there, right? But if you really, really want it, you're going to overcome all of those things. It doesn't mean that those things won't be there because they will continue to be there. And maybe as you get closer to a place where, where you want to be, the obstacles become even larger and the pain to overcome them becomes even more painful, so to speak. But if you really want to achieve that one thing that you're thinking about, you're going to be able to, 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 to stand the pain and still move on. So to me, it is my dream is to build 
the largest real community, not just an association, not just a group. My dream is to build the largest community of connection, collaboration, sharing, and love among HR people and people from all the workplaces. And to get there, I have to go through pain, I have to go through sweat, I have to go through blood, I have to go through obstacles, but because I am so inspired to make it happen, I can, I can withstand the pain that I'm feeling at every single moment to get to the place where I want to be. So I think that's what inspired me, what that's- I want to be, and that's why I sort of survive through all these pains that I'm, you know, I may be going through in different times, you know, like when I feel frustrated, when I feel annoyed, when I feel mad at something, and, you know, things are very imperfect in my life, but I'm okay with that because I, I keep looking at the, at the end goal. And I'm like, the imperfections of today are making me better and I'm pushing me forward to get closer to that end goal of my life. That's called tenacity, man. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Enrique, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing thank your you. story. I really appreciate you and your time. And I look forward to us connecting more and finding synergies and being much, much more involved with Hacking HR. I mean, I'd love to bring you know, my thoughts uh, you know, around talent acquisition, recruiting, and my story as well. Enrique, where can folks find you? Where can they connect with you? LinkedIn. I, I, am, I think when they put Enrique Rubio on LinkedIn, I'm the first one who comes up and, you know, just uh, shoot me, shoot me an email, you know, message. And I'm always very reachable and available. I try to respond to everybody who reaches out to me, even with some crazy stuff, but, uh, but I try to respond to everybody. Awesome. Enrique, thank you for joining me. Thank you. And everyone listening at home, in your car, on your bike, in space, on the beach, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, subscribe, link, share, leave a Leave a review if you like. I mean, that means a lot to me. And remember, most importantly, what Enrique and I are doing right now, we're connecting. We're taking our online and offline. I appreciate it, everyone listening. And catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode, jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.